Hello, you beautiful people, and thank you for tuning in to the sound of my voice. It is a sultry, sweaty summer evening out here in beautiful Austin, Texas. Would love it if any of you are in the area. Shoot me over a text or an email or find me on social media and we can meet up in the city. Um, I got some great stuff for you this summer. I took a little hiatus for the past six weeks, but I'm coming back stronger than ever. Got some Navy SEALs coming up again. I got Nomadic Matt, the probably the most famous travel writer and blogger online, giving you guys some awesome tips for traveling this summer and into the fall. Really excited for it, so I hope you guys tune in for all that. Today is getting some feminine energy up on the podcast, which is a little overdue, and uh, in honor of Wonder Woman coming out, I guess we could say, that's a nice little coincidence, I have Tammy Holzman, and she has a book called From Sea Student to the Sea Suite, How I Use My Emotional Intelligence to Gain Access to the Most Influential People in the World, Even With All My Shit and Insecurities. Oh, God. The book is a fun read. And she goes into depth about how most of us kind of suck at school. I know I sucked at school. I know so many people like me who love learning and suck at school or don't enjoy school. Um, And that was her. And she talks about her rise from from that type of personality and that type of learning patterns to being a Hollywood executive, pitching shows to networks, rising the ranks, and becoming an extremely successful uh, businesswoman in her own right, rubbing shoulders with all types of high-profile celebrities and being a C student uh, to start. So it's a great podcast. I hope you guys get a lot from it. Make sure and be checking it out. I will be posting every seven to 10 days from now on. And as always, you can check me out at alexstar.com. I got the Facebook. I got the narcissistic Instagram that I try and keep up with, but goddamn, it is, I run out of shit to post. I don't know what to do. I got to take more selfies, I guess. So I love you all for listening. I appreciate you tuning in. Reach out to me whenever, whatever. And I will see you guys soon on the next next podcast. Enjoy. Do it. Um, well, I want to thank you so much for coming on and say, taking some time out of your busy uh, cannabis days and Hollywood executive days, um, <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> to come on. So I really, I'm curious. I, I really want to f- talk about the, when you started and you were, like you said, your book is called from C student to C suite, which for people mm-hmm. don't know the C suite refers to executives, right? Cause I had no idea what that meant. Right. C suite um, is a CEO. Okay. CFO, CMO, right. it's and that so, high level office. Okay, awesome. And so why did school, and I very much um, can relate to this, of not getting good grades and you think that you're dumb, you think like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to screw up in the world because I can't obviously even succeed in school, so how am I going to succeed in the real world? What skills did you develop where you got C grades, but what skills did you focus on to be able to be successful in the real world versus being shitty in school. Right. Actually, I, I think it's sort of comical. Everything I was getting punished for in school that I would get um, a C and then even worse, I would get a U, which is like the lowest you can get for unsatisfactory. Unsus- behavior, yeah. I've right? seen those. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so for like talking too much and yeah, yeah. You know, socializing and doing all these things. And it was what I was being punished for is what was my skill set to be able to succeed, which is very, very interesting if you look at the school system. So 
you know, I mean, if I can give feedback to anyone, enjoy yourself, have a good time, make as many friends as possible, um, do interactive activities. It's just, that was, that was that skill set. And, you know, I was fortunate enough. I ended up winning like best personality in high school. Although I have a very funny story about that because I ended up how I got the best looking guy on campus. I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, I had my awkward phase. I was always really insecure about my nose. Like my nose was so big, like look. <laughs> and, um, so when this hot new guy came to campus, I was trying to set him up with all the, the prettiest girls and we became friends. And then the next thing you know, he slipped me a note, like, did I want to go to a dance? And I was like, Oh my God, Oh my God, he's flirting with me. And we became boyfriend and girlfriend. But when it came time to vote for superlatives, like best, smartest person in the class, most likely to succeed, best dress, etc. Um, I ran up to him. I'm like, did you vote for me for best looking? And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Definitive. I voted for you for best sense of humor, which was, you know, a great honor. Actually, I won best personality. Right, but I feel like in high school, in high school, you're like, cool. cool. You know, like That's the focus. Like, yeah. I mean, I should be the best looking in your eyes. I definitely was right. not. But I mean, he was so brutally honest. Right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah. So that's cool. So you were able to take those skills, you know, like you were got these, you passed, you got out of high school with like these C grades. You said you barely got into what was it? Northridge, Cal State Northridge. I um, actually had to ask for one of my grades to be changed just to get into San Diego to, State. Oh, San Diego State. Yeah, that's what I it actually was. worked my system. My like my persuasion powers were obviously really early on. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because I had gone back. I had gone to a junior college. I wanted to meet my friends at San Diego State. I had gone to a junior college in between. But then I decided, well, what if I can get one of my teachers to change my grade? Like my SAT stopped everything. I was a horrible test taker. So I had gone back to my high school and convinced one of my teachers to change a grade from a C to a B. And she did. <laughs> so tell us about that. Tell us like what are, you know, you have built this this uh, career out of, you've done, you've worked in Hollywood pitching shows, right? You were an agent for a while. Um, so what are your, what are your golden tips for persuasion um, that you've used to get that high? Um Unfortunately for me, it was like, felt like it was a little natural. Maybe it was a fallback position when I was younger, you know, maybe because I wasn't the smartest person in class. I wasn't the best looking person in class that I was able to say, okay, well, I better be funny. I better, you right. know, work on those all, skills. Right. We all overcompensate and undercompensate. Yeah. yeah based on our skills. Right. Exactly. But, um, you know, some of the things, you know, you would do, I mean, obviously if you're passionate, excited about something that translates. If you're selling something or you're trying to convince someone when you're not convinced that that's not good. Um, you also have to realize that what's the worst case if someone says there's a fly here. <laughs> if someone says no, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. You sort of learn how to tailor a situation when someone does say no. And not everyone can say yes to every opportunity. Right. And some of the thing when I was young and I had my, when I was a manager representing talent and I really had not worked in television yet per se, I really didn't also know what I was doing. That's not an uncommon theme. Um, but I would go straight to the top oftentimes. Interesting. So I would go to the president, I would go to the CEO, I would go to whoever and I would 
call them, just cold call them and tell them I had an idea and people don't want to miss what's the next big thing. They don't even know you, but they're so nervous. They're going to miss it that they will set you up with the meeting, the, the whoever's below them. And rarely is the CEO necessarily always making the decision. Someone's always pitching someone else. Um, so, I mean, I definitely give a tip to go as high as you can because you can work your way down and they will usually set up that meeting for you. They'll say, call so-and-so. And I, I used to say, or I, I would say today, can you please let them know I'll be calling or can I use your name? And they're like, yes. And then I have red carpet. Like, <laughs> yeah. So like uh, if it's someone looking for a job or something and they, they can look up on LinkedIn, that's the CEO of the company, somehow get a hold of them and say, hey, I think I could really do this for your company. I'd love to, you know, and then they say, well, why don't you talk to the VP of this or talk to our recruiter? And you say, can I mention that I talked to you? Is that fine? Like something like that? You can definitely do it. Well, I don't think it's like what I what I'm happy about my book is I don't talk about one industry. I just sort right. of talk about the strategies. That right. I did That's what I'm curious about. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like how those apply. To, yeah. yeah. And you know, um, as your, your power of persuasion, I mean, sometimes you have to let the other people on the side do the job for you. I mean, you can even ask people, you can slip them the idea you could say, you know, or, I would love to pick your brain about something or can I get your advice? And people love to give their advice. Mm. And then before you know it, they're giving you opportunities. They're setting up meetings for you. They, you, they persuaded themselves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And it's, it is, it is interesting. You just said you, sometimes you think that asking people for help, you're bugging them, right? It's like, ah, I don't want to bug them and ask them for help or ask them for advice. But then whenever I get asked for help or advice, I will like clear my fucking schedule and be like, wow, someone's, it's such a compliment, you know, like, Hey, can you help me with this? Like for sure. Yeah. Hold on. Come here. Let me help you. Let me help you. And you think that you're bugging other people, but the reality is you're right. People want to, they want to give back and help you. And then it becomes a win-win for both of you. Yeah. And on, absolutely. There's no question. Obviously if someone knows someone else, um, you know, a warmer intro is, is easier, but you know, I I am like my, some of the things I do too, to change the dynamics in the room and and use that power of persuasion. Mm -hmm. I'm super warm. And I'm like, I walk in with the biggest smile and I've, I've talked to you on the phone or I built some kind of relationship. I mean, it's not uncommon for me to walk in and give someone like a hug, like, hi, oh my God, it's so nice to meet you. And I'm so glad to finally meet you. And then I'm just hugging everyone. And, um, I say in my book, go to first base at every meeting. Yeah. But yeah. As, soon as, <laughs> as soon as someone kind of like you break that barrier, you're sort of like, they're sort of connected to you emotionally. It's like, you know, and persuasion is part of it is just having them, people connect to you and want you to win. Right. right. I think you said in your book. Yeah. You got to like them. Like those people. I think you, one of the lines yeah. you said in your book too was about uh, that, like all the emotional erections were going on in the room or something uh, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that, um, yeah, uh, the fluffer maybe. Yeah, I get yeah. everyone feeling really good in the room. Everyone's got, you know. I think you're in a room full of guys. Erections. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's probably the flopper section. Yeah. Where yeah. obviously people know that the the general term flopper is like in the porn industry where you're, you know, you get someone excited before the scene. But I see it as a business opportunity. <laughs> and actually that term came up because I was with one of my best friends. I was with a gr- group of girls. Yeah. And my girlfriend's a psychologist and she goes, who doesn't want to work with you? You're the ultimate business. You're the ultimate business development fluffer. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, she's so right. And, um, you know, having walking in and bringing other people up is, yeah, having them, all their emotions fully erect. And you could look at a fluffer kind of the same way Ellen does for her TV show. Mm. You know, they have a comic, they're warming them up. Yeah, right, right. Them in the mood. So what you need, you should definitely warm up before you start pitching anybody, you have to warm that room up. Right. That's, right. And that's applicable to, that's applicable to dates. That's applicable to the first time you meet a, you know, same sex, like platonic relationship. It's just about like building that rapport, right. And building that comfortable ability. Is that a word? Comfortable. What's the word? <laughs> yeah. Well, building that ability. I mean, yeah. Make words up. I make them up all the time. Yeah. My aunt Cassie used to make up words. So I'm like, yeah. why can't I just make up words? Seriously. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You have your own language. Um, you know what? That's such an easy skill set too, because I mean, you're so, you're great. I mean, you're adorable. You have a great personality. You're so sincere. I mean, this is true. I'm, I learned this all just from a brief conversation, right? There's no, you have oh, no you. ego. Yeah, it's it's awesome. So I was so excited for this call. You know, there you go. <laughs> oh, we're building rapport. Um, I feel warm towards you. <laughs> I, yeah. And um, listen, usually when you like someone and you're feeling good, the feeling's mutual, right? Yeah, just yeah. like in dating, I always say business is sort of like dating, but it's, it, it, that's why I say my book is a modern day guide to business and relationships. Cause at the end of the day, it's all relationships. I mean, I am, I need to walk into the room and be a girl's girl and be a guy's girl, be a team player, not be intimidating, but be warm and fuzzy and command the room. There's a lot of your antennas are going on. Right, 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 right. And how does that like, um, I mean, because I want to jump like the emotional intelligence versus the you talk a lot about emotional intelligence, right? That's like one of the big kind of I would say facets of your book or tenets of your book is emotional intelligence versus the intellectual stuff. Right, right. And well, you know, yeah, well, we were trained to like IQ, 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 right? And your grades, your grades, your grades. And it wasn't until not that long ago. It was my aha moment, actually, when I officially decided to write the book um, I had read an article in Forbes magazine that said 85% of getting business is due to your emotional intelligence and your ability to read the room, be empathetic, understand people, have awareness. Um, I'll go more into it in a second. And 15% of getting the business was due to your, the IQ side, understanding the product. And, you know, the article had gone on to say that, um, you know, clients would give the person more likely would give a person a deal if they liked them versus an inferior product. Even if you had, even if you had an inferior product, the client will more likely give you the business. Um, and I was like, Oh my God, duh. Well, well that would explain everything. So all these years, <laughs> my insecurity about being a C student or not excelling in school 
was still weighs on me. It's just was like interesting. Interesting. Always feeling inferior and feeling like I just didn't know more and so impressed by everyone that knew everything more. You know, people could tell me all day, oh my God, you're brilliant because I knew how to, the dynamic of how to change a room. But when I, in my head, I felt inferior. Isn't that crazy? Um, yeah, you can get a thousand people. You can get the whole world telling you something and it literally doesn't matter until you believe it yeah. yourself, right? Until you have yeah. like that epiphany moment where you go, wait, I actually can do this. I do the same thing with this you know, like this podcast, the first like years, I, people are like, hey, it's pretty good. And I'm like, it fucking sucks. It sucks. I'm not good at it. And it fucking sucks. It's really good. And I'm it's terrible really at it. And it's dumb. And people are like, no, it's really good. And I, and you literally like have earplugs in and you like don't listen to them. And even when they do say shit, you make excuses for their compliments. You're like, oh, they're just saying that because they're my friend, my family. Like, they're just being nice. Like, you just push away every compliment because you don't believe it. And then once you believe it and people tell you the exact same thing, you're like, Thank you. You're right. Like, it takes you so really long to get right. there. And you have such a variety of people, which gives you so much. It get, You have to really understand that you are that good because Thank you, you Thank can you. relate to so many different types of people. And by the way, that's huge EQ. I mean, enormous because you can change who you are in a, a dynamic of who you are based on the, the room you're in or the people you're talking to. And you're comfortable. Like that's, that's a big part of it. So like on EQ, what's interesting is I don't think people really understand that it's a human nature. Okay. Human beings, there's an event that happens and then we actually have a feeling about it no mm -hmm. matter what, right? Mm -hmm. There, mm -hmm. that's, It's human nature. There's no choice. Um, it's now it's understanding that we have a reaction to every event and how we deal with it and how we could. So you know, EQ is really being able to understand, um, evaluate, control, and express your emotions. But it's actually the biggest winning scenario in that, and you're, you know, the ace in the hole, is understanding how people perceive you. It's having enough self-awareness to be able to see how other people are perceiving you. And once you sort of understand that, then you alter, then you can alter your behavior on any given situation. Right. 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 That's the winning scenario. But, you know, you need to like take a you have to you have to be self-aware, but it's going to be the most one of the most important skill sets in, you know, according to the World Economic Forum in 2020 it's number six on right. the most important skill set you'll need to succeed. Yeah. And it's a process, isn't it? It's a every day, every week, every year, ongoing, never ending process. Um, like what I mean, what um you know, like you've had so much experience in it, but are you still discovering every day, like a deeper level of like, Oh man, I didn't understand that about people or, Oh wow. I'm still insecure about this. Like what still comes up in your life after 20 years of doing this? I think what happens is because people are complicated, right? So, you know, it's, it's a good start to be self-aware, right? Mm -hmm. But everyone's putting their own shit on themselves too. Right. Yeah. So I think it's like, if you could put, it's hard too, because if you don't put your true self kind of out there, right, then you're putting a representative of yourself because we want to be who the room, we want to be who someone else thinks we are, right? Or we want to, we want to be what they want us to be, right? Right. I think you, you um, had like a six stage thing in there of like you, what you, you think you're, you are and what you want to yeah. be and what you think they yeah. want you to be and what they actually think you are. And it gets, yeah. 
Yeah, but in, and if everyone's putting a representative themselves up front, then you're, you're, it's really hard to get to what you need to do and what you need to get done and have a real relationship. And I mean real relationship because businesses are real relationships. There's mm -hmm. a lot of stakes. So I find the sooner you could just be yourself and be really aware and be honest. If you don't know something, just say you don't know something. If you need help, you need help. Um, and but at least you're aware. Then the other person can also be themselves, right? Right. If you're goofy, be goofy. Whatever it is. Um, but having under kind of starting to understand emotional intelligence, then you'll kind of will click into it a little bit more, knowing that it is part of your human nature. Mm -hmm. So the better you can. But it's just you know it's important at the top up too. It's like okay. I need to be the person that people aren't worried to approach, right? I'm not going to get angry. I'm going to be open. I'm going to support them. Um, all those things from the top up also need to happen. People need to be empathetic. You don't want to be the person that people are scared to talk to, all that. So, you know, as soon as you start to kind of click into that side of it, it'll get easier. Right, right, and right. And fun and a lot more fun. And a lot more fun, yeah. You know, and I think I, something that just popped in my head as you were saying that is that being, since I think social media is affecting this so much, especially if you're like, you know, 20 to 30, if you were born and raised on it, it's because it, it if you're really into your Facebook or your Instagram and your kind of identity that you construct, right? And so it's like, I only show people these certain pictures of the way I look at a certain light or what I'm doing. And then it almost becomes even more difficult to be vulnerable in front of real people because you're like, fuck this. If I, if I show off this other side of me, that's not the side I have portrayed on social media, which is where I spend, which is where people spend a lot of time now. Right. And it's like, wow, this mm -hmm. is difficult to, to be real in real life when it's, I've put in so much effort into constructing this fake identity online. It's definitely a lot. I would say a lot harder for the kids or whoever that started with that, that generation of social media. The whippersnappers. You were having, well, having experience before it, because yeah. if you don't meet the person and face to face, it's so easy to lose an opportunity because it's so much, they're, they're not connected to you. They're not connected to you emotionally. And it's so much easier to say no, right? We're going to pass or we're going to say no in an email, right? Or text. Yeah. Or, yeah, some, yeah. Or text or whatever. Yeah. And that could be personal. Someone could break up with you or whatever. It doesn't yeah, really yeah. matter. <laughs> yeah. But like in, in life, when you see someone, you feel them, you, you, the energy is just like normal. It's like, I want to hang out with this person. I want them to sit with me at a dinner. I want to socialize with them. I want to know them better. I want them to succeed. All that sort of does get lost. Um, you could put on a great persona online and people could be like, I want to know them. But then again, you're getting the artificial version because we can't, we can't be that person all the time. I always say I'm the perfect seven because I know all my flaws. I can't, I don't want to be a 10. There's nowhere to go but down. So if I put yeah. my social image as this 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, you're only going to disappoint people. <laughs> that's, that's very true, huh? That's very you're true. You're going to go down, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sure. Don't, don't put me on a pedestal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't throw it down. It's, I bet you've seen that too when you meet, I'm sure you've seen like actors or, you know, then celebrities and all those people. And, you know, the few occasions I've run into them in LA and stuff, you're like, oh, 
he's wearing jeans and a t-shirt and he doesn't look nearly as ripped as he did in that movie. Like, I feel like it almost always you're going to be disappointed because you're, when those people are put up on these high, high pedestals, you know yeah. what I mean? I think that's hard for them too, actually. Yeah, that must suck, they, seriously. You can't walk around with like, without any makeup or being judged or Or, or like what? away from an explosion, you know what I mean? Like their life isn't a movie, yet all we see them in is like this being a badass in a movie and then you're like, oh, it's a normal person. It must be constant disappointment. Yeah, and a lot of um, talent and creative people are, are introverts too. So, you know, they get a double end because the truth is they might be really shy and they don't want to talk to you. They're just terrified. But on camera, they are just, they're different. It's a safety zone, it's a different persona. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I think you're, I think letting people know your flaws and being vulnerable is so much sexier all the way around. Um, no sexy. So I, I don't know. I think because even in business, because what if someone's selling something that's not sexy? You got to figure out how to make stuff sexy. So if people like you, that's sexy. Not like you like that. But you know, yeah, 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 yeah. you got to be real. You got to be vulnerable. You got to be able to like dance like Elaine. Don't worry about it. You know, you can't. You can't. I mean, I have so many crazy stories of just like, you know, some food flying out of my mouth or something. And I'm like, oh, God, okay. Did that just land on their cheeks? No, that stuff, that is what makes it real. I think there's a great quote I heard that's um, people are attracted to others' rough edges. Absolutely. Oh, I like that. I like that. I'm going to have to borrow that. Um, Absolutely. Um, I definitely, you know, as you know, if you read the book, but it's everyone's dysfunction on degrees of dysfunction. And I think that even when I go into a room and with, you know, someone I'm trying to sell to, they're exhausted, you know, I mean, they just want to be themselves, you know, I mean, it's exhausting trying to be that persona online. Um, if you really talk to these, anyone that's younger, it, it's, it's a wear and tear. They cannot put a picture that's not perfect up online, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the whole, I think everything is shifting kind of like what we talked about, or you talk about it in your book with like how resumes are going out of style and how it's like you make up these perfect adjectives and like. You, <laughs> yeah, like, it's funny. Yeah, like they're cool. I think you had like a translation, right? Didn't you? Of like what it, I, that, that was. The bullshit you're spewing out on your resume to look good. Yeah. And it's like, I think, I think in like 10 to 20 years, I, I think like you were saying, I think resumes are going to be obsolete because we're moving away from like, you know, the 50, like 60 year olds that are still like, oh, you put a resume and give me all your skills and like, what are your objectives? And it's like, okay, we both know we're bullshitting each other. Why are we all doing this? And like you're saying, it's like you can be much more real and like the whole world is shifting to like an authenticity based economy, I think. Well, what we are on paper is not what we are in person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so you know, strange. you're giving, it's the same thing. You're like, oh my God, I see something. This person's perfect on paper. And then they walk in and they're socially awkward or this or that. I mean, resume, you are, you have to be your resume and, um, you have LinkedIn now. So, I mean, I always preferred like, you know, I mean, I, I had some early success, so I was like able to really avoid the resume my whole, pretty much my whole career. But, um, you have LinkedIn now. I used to write bios, you know, um, so LinkedIn is a great way not, you know, to do it. But, you know, even Google is getting away from 
the resumes and where you've gone to school and what your grade point average is. They need people that are strategic thinkers that fit in culturally. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it's definitely changing. Yeah, I think it's for the it's for the better. Yeah, but as many networking events and as much as you can get yourself out there for like anyone that's like looking or younger or or anyone that's shifting jobs anytime. I mean, being around people is the best. Yeah, that's what's helped me a lot here because I'm totally switching, you know, careers and paths and everything from what I was doing to here and looking for jobs and stuff. It's really all about, yeah, just getting in front of people because you send in a resume and so does 500 other people. (laughs) Yeah, it somehow has to make it to the, you have to be the tippy top one. Yeah. Yeah. So So, even if you do call the C-suite, maybe the resume will get lifted to the top, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hopefully. So talk to me about, um, you know, the female perspective of being involved in all these different industries. And like you said, sometimes you walk in, there's a hundred dudes and, and one Tammy, like you said, how does that influence the way you act, the way you dress, like everything? I mean, I'm super curious about that. Um, well, I always dress where I feel good. Right. And, um, sometimes I don't, try it. It looks like I, I tried very hard, but it looks like I didn't try at all. <laughs> um, when I walk into room, I, I'm very much myself. And if it's all guys, you know, I would love it to be girls. I think, I think successful companies have, women have so much, uh, obviously we're more, where there's more women in the U S than there are men. Number one, we make all the decision making powers as far as it comes to the pocketbook and what people do you know, we control $20 million in, in spending. Um, but there are oftentimes I'm the only girl in the room and you know what? I know for a fact, this is a fact that girls are more emotionally intelligent than men. So that is, that's, that's a hundred percent. Does that make men more intellectually intelligent? (laughs) Not as in touch. They're just not as in touch emotionally. Some are, um, yeah, but they don't want to necessarily show that side. Show that side in a meeting. Mm-hmm. So, I it's mine is on. You know, mine's at an all time high. I'm shifting the meeting. I'm really paying attention to who the decision makers are. I know exactly who I need to play into, and I think you know I use it as if I'm the only girl and it happens to be that way. I use it as a power play. Interesting. Yeah, and I work it at every angle, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. What would it be? How would it be like, I mean, um, you know, when you were talking about how you go and you pitch, you were pitching these shows and you had two guys with you and you're in this, you know, this high executives, you know, the studio heads office. Um, and you were talking about how there's like the balance between these two guys you were with who are your partners and you. And I think that's kind of cool. I think I really like having like the dynamic, I think, when it's like, no, it's only men. And like, it's like, well, okay, that kind of sucks. And it's like, no, it's only women. It's like, well, shouldn't it be both? And I feel like that is like ideal. Go pitch with a dude and someone like you that is just come from both sides. Well, in that case, you're talking about something specific, which I think will give it more context to the listeners and the viewers. It was a sports show. And um, we were pitching. And what was great was executives, there were female executives and male executives we were pitching. And we were so dynamic because they were also like, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I said maybe I set the tone when we walked in the meeting. Uh-huh. But they, they, they had the goods. These guys were studs, you know. So every girl, you know, every girl was like wanted to date them, and every guy wanted to bromance. You wanted to be best bromance, friends with them. Yeah. We had we had the rooms on lockdown. Um, now, what was interesting about that sports show? There were a lot of interesting things that happened. There were funny moments during that process. But who ended up buying the show? was a team of six girls at NBC and one and one guy was in the room. And because we pitched the show and I understood it from a girl's perspective. Interesting. It was a show, it was called at the time Super Agent. It was about nine agents competing for a multi-million dollar draft pick. But after learning the process and understanding I was an I was a talent agent, but also understanding the recruiting process from my my boys is that you don't know who you're selling to. Are you selling to the mom? Are you selling to the aunt? Are you selling to the uncle? And so we were able to take sports sort of out of the backdrop and understand what the emotional journey was to sign a client. And crazy enough that a team of girls bought it. So there you go. Yeah, that is cool. Cause, and then you were able to, yeah, that is cool. Cause it comes to, yeah, it's, it's both sides of the story, right? It's, it's, and I was, yeah, but let me tell you what else they did, and this is where they were really Please. emotionally intelligent. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. There was a bidding war for the show. Okay, so multiple networks wanted to buy it. And what ended up happening was these this team knew there was a bidding war, and they really wanted it. And at this point, the bidding war, the money is like neck and neck, okay? They sent us each a basket of sports-related cookies and um you know there were footballs basketballs baseballs a huge bouquet of cookies to each of our houses mm. and said the balls in your court <laughs> they took right that was the deal breaker and it all came down to like they were clever they were in touch they were showing how much they wanted it and mm. fighting for it and like those girls my business partners there was no question when they sent that they're like it's the girls that are the, the girl team is bringing this home and it was a sports show. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome. Were the cookies Were the good? Cookies? I don't even, yeah, I don't even know. I was just like, <laughs> they're so pretty. I never ate them. I was like, who wants to eat this beautiful thing? <laughs> I was just look at them. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, what talk to me about imposter syndrome and all like the way that, that plays out with a lot of people. Cause I think that's super important to like, we were talking about yesterday on the phone about how mm-hmm. everyone has these insecurities. Everyone's walking around with them, but then nobody talks about them. So everyone just goes, Oh, I'm the fucked up one. It's just me. That's fucked up. And then you realize that, like you said, I think 70% of these top CEOs and executives don't even think that they're worthy of being there, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just something that was kind of diagnosed in the, in the seventies by psychologists. So it's really a new kind of phenomenon. So just think about how long people have been living with this, not even knowing that it's, it's a real condition. It's a, you know, it's a syndrome. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm glad that it came out because when it's one of the most common things when people read the book and everything's my, my book has bite-sized pieces, but it's definitely one of the most common things people walk up to me and say, Oh my God, I have imposter syndrome. I'm so glad you talk about it. And when I do speaking engagements, it's also probably the most, one of the most common themes. Um, yeah, well, 70% of successful people have it. It is more prominent in women, um, maybe because we're just 
saying, okay, I feel this way. I feel this way. Right, right, right. Um, and when, and, and willing or admitting it to ourselves or to someone. Um, I, but I've had oftentimes because I'm someone's confidant, by the way, that's something else we could talk about in a little bit, but okay. being someone's confidant. Um, so I've had so many male executives call me and say, Oh my God, someone wants me to be the chairman of this company or the, the CEO. And I am really scared and I'm freaking out and I'm like, okay, let's make a list. Why are you freaking out? And they're like, I'm not qualified. And I don't know how, I don't know why they think I can do this. I'm not qualified. Um, but you know, a lot of people aren't qualified for their next job. I mean, a lot of people just don't feel like they're qualified and maybe they aren't and they learn on the job. Um, I think, you know, Richard Branson had a quote like that and I'm trying to remember how it gone down, but if you don't think you're qualified for a job, take it and learn it on the job, right. <laughs> you know, just right. take it. Seriously. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but it is a serious syndrome and you know, it should be, it should just be aware that it's out there and talked about. I don't know if we know how much there is like besides that feeling like a fake is a very common feeling. Do you and get it still? Yeah, I have it all the time. Really? Um, Interesting. And by the way, even when I work through it, I said my therapist is going to be paid forever. <laughs> you know, she's going to have a full-time full-time employment with me. Um yeah, it was interesting about the book. This is really bizarre. I actually wrote a section, Am I a Fake? And I wrote about how I felt. I did not know that there was a real syndrome until after I wrote the section. Oh, no shit. Yeah. And it was really crazy because I, when I decided to take the, the turn on the book the way I did and kind right. of come clean and kind of be really honest about everything, I decided to include that. And... It is, I just, I wrote in my fake, that was it. And I wrote this whole section and not till later did I learn that there was a real syndrome. And then I said, well, this is a real condition. It's called imposter syndrome and gave a footnote. But basically that whole thing was written already, you know? Um, so I, and it's funny because you say, does it come up? And I said, you know, it's in, it does come up. And Every time I work through it, there might be a new scenario, and then I'm like, ah, shit, I'm back to the drawing board. I'm like a fake all over again. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Right. I found out they are so much smarter than me. They are, because I walk into a room, and oftentimes I'm in a room with, like, all Ivy Leaguers, and I'm like, and then they're, hmm. But then again, I'm the one who's making all the Ivy Leaguers feel comfortable. So what right, can I say? Right, yeah. It's also like you almost feel like you're still like a 12 – there's like a 12-year-old version of you still in there. Like no matter how much stuff you – there's like a 12-year-old going like, what the fuck are you doing in this room? Like, you know what I mean? There's still like that kid in you that's like, when did you get here? <laughs> you know? Don't you feel that way sometimes when you're in a room and you're like, "How? yeah, how did I get here? I'm sure you have that feeling. For sure, yeah. I feel, I mean, yeah, I get like or that. how did I get this person on my show? Like, what? How'd that happen? Seriously. That happens to me all the time. I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I fooled them. <laughs> no, seriously, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, a lot of it is like, you know, and as you move along, you kind of like, you get more comfortable. So it's like, if I did this a year ago with you, I was like, what the, f how did I get, like, Tammy, this, like, yeah. she's so successful and like, why is she talking to me? You know what I mean? But as you build up, you kind of, you get better and better at it. But yeah, sometimes a lot of times I still will slap myself and, or when I was doing firefighting, it was like, 
dude, I don't think that they realize that I'm like not as tough as like, even though I'm yeah. hiking and doing everything that yeah. everyone else was and doing all the shit. I'm like, I, just, like I, I can't climb that tree and get the cat out. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, yeah, it's like, I don't think that I'm like as tough as like they think I am, even though I'm doing it. So it's very strange. It's very weird. I could tell you why you got the interview with me. How? You asked. Right, right, right. <laughs> I know. You do learn, you learn the thing of like, yeah, right. The people, it doesn't, they can say no. And you're like, okay. Or not respond. It's pretty much that, that is one of the most simple things about everything I talk about. You have to ask. I love that. You have, I, you have, you just, you have to ask. If you don't ask, you won't get it. And there's a probability game. I'm sure you've had some, you know, intros and things happen and, you know, people just don't get back to you and things happen or they're just not available and never happens. But you got to ask. You got to ask. Yeah. And you got to also, there's been a few times where there's been someone I really wanted on and uh, they didn't respond, you know? And so I just, I kind of, you, you tread the line between being persistent and being annoying. Oh, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone does. Yeah. I'm like, I'm the cute, I'm the cool stalker, you know, I'm the, the cool, cute stalker because I might stalk you and convince you to finally meet me. But then when you meet me, you're like, oh, okay. I actually like her. I did right. that with um, the don't take no for an answer. Do you remember that story about um, I represented the MIT guys that brought down Vegas? No. And I was trying to get the meeting with the um, head of Caesars Casino Entertainment. So I called. Okay, so someone made an intro. They're like, you should meet this guy. And I was like, oh, my God, I would love to meet him. He was perfect because I had a TV show based on the MIT guys that brought down Vegas. And first it was a reality show and I needed a casino group to buy in. Um, I ended up selling it as a scripted show to HBO, but at the time I was selling it as a reality show. And so I get this guy responds to my email and he's like, sure, I'll take a meeting. And he's in, he's in Vegas. Well, there was a big television conference going on in Vegas, and I was actually going with someone else just to kind of make intros for them. I really didn't have a reason to go, but I was like, oh, my God, that guy's in Vegas. i got to get a meeting with him. Nice. So nice. I, I, I said, I'm going to be in Vegas for, you know, Napti. Can we meet? And he said, yeah. So he schedules a time. Well, I have one of my Sudley business partners fly out also. And that day... I get a call and they're like, um, yeah, we have, I'll just call him JP, JP on the phone for you. And I said, okay. And JP goes, um, hi. Um, so I'm going to have to cancel my meeting. I'm overbooked. And I'm like, no, and he goes, what? And I go, no, I can't cancel. And he goes, like, what do you mean? <laughs> He's like, I go, we flew all the way out here for the meeting. I'm sorry you overbooked your schedule, but you're just going to have to figure it out. And I don't even know where it came from. It just flew out of my mouth. And um, he's like, uh, okay. So he decided <laughs> he was going to take like 15 minutes and he was going to, where he was going to have dinner and we were going to meet there first. Well, I decide, well, I'm going to have dinner there too. Hmm. <laughs> We schedule the drinks and he walks in and I'm like, oh my God, JP, I like, give him the biggest like hug and everything. Well, he brought someone else, like his agent at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And um, 
we all sit down and have the best time and our drinks turn into dinner, which turn into an after thing, which turn into being one of my best friends and I'm one of the boards of my company. You know, and he tells a story that I, he tells it, that I literally grabbed him through the phone and buy the shirt and was like, no. And he goes, I've never ever in my life had someone tell me I couldn't cancel a meeting. I was like, okay, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's important too, because that guy is like, he's a high level person, right? And something you want something from, like you want to almost impress them, right? Cause you wanted something from him. And I had a, literally had, I had flown out there. You know, well, my right. business partner, I was going to go anyway, but, but needless to say, he's still one of my very best friends and, um, today, still to today. No, that's yeah. badass. Yeah. Because that's showing like, look, man, like, I don't care who you are. Like I took the time to do this. Yeah. So respect me and I'll respect you kind of thing. And I think that that's powerful when people see someone that like is willing to, you know, don't care. They don't care that guy's status. You don't, you didn't care what he had or what you wanted. It was like, I took time out of my day. I respect my time and now you need to too. And I think that's powerful stuff, you know? Well, let me tell you, it's how you, how you treat people is everything. It's really cool to be kind. I'm kind to everybody. The funny thing was we ended up selling the show to HBO and this is a full circle story. I wasn't planning on even thinking of awesome. when I called HBO to pitch the show, the guy that was running the head of development at HBO was like, tell me, I'm going to use all initials. It's MG. And I go, he goes, I was E.L.'s assistant. And you were so nice to me. You were like the only person that was like so nice to me. So he was someone's assistant that was a TV executive like 15 years before or something. And he was like, that was it. I had the red carpet. They ended up buying it. He ended up buying it over lunch. Wow. Well, yeah. It's a scripted show. But like he was someone's assistant that I was like so incredibly, well, I am kind, but I was like so nice to him because you know what? Those assistant, anyone, they're all the gatekeepers. You want VIP treatment? You're nice to everyone from the valet to the security guard to everybody. Yeah. And that's good advice for just, yeah, in life. But I can only imagine the entertainment industry too, if you're just nice to somebody the stories I've heard from people who work in it like if you're just nice to someone it like they're like oh my god somebody's nice to me I mean there's a lot of bullshitty people but on the flip side of it if people are serious and they're legitimate you know you weed the people out and sometimes you get burned but for the most part there's a lot of great people too yeah 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 that's true in every industry talk to me about being talk to me about being the confidant that you were you were mentioning how I mean what, what did you like when you've been a confidant for people, how has that kind of played out in your life? You know, well, it's being a caretaker, right? And so I instantly just want to take care of you. Like I would love to just come take care of you, squeeze your cheeks, cut your food, feed you. <laughs> you know, um, so it's like I instantly am kind of that person. So actually, the the same one of this one of the people had um, who had come to me with telling me the scenario I met him at a barbecue that I attended always a good place to um, meet people Mm. yeah and I walked into a barbecue at this beautiful home and I was invited by this this gentleman and I brought my girlfriend and it was just you know casual kind of Sunday um, barbecue and in walks this guy and I'm like 
he felt kind of lost and kind of awkward. And I was like, oh, my God, do you want to sit with us? Do you want to join us? Yeah. yeah. Um, he's like, OK. And, you know, thank you. So he joins us. And I'm like, well, how do you know the host? He goes, well, I'm, I'm actually everyone's boss here. Oh, that's <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, there you go. Instantly, my instincts kicked in. Right. And we became friends. But he was in line to be chairman of a major motion picture studio. And he was like, and so we already had built that relationship because like I already walked in he was already comfortable around me or he was able to open up to me and you know because I was some I'm not judgmental being judgmental is no fun that's no fun so and we're all flawed and fabulous so I think once you kind of people know that they could be safe with you and be themselves with you and share things with you you want to be that person. You want to be the trustworthy person. I call it the vault. You want to be able to be someone that they could share your, I say, share your secrets, share your business. But you know, you got to be that vault. You got to be like gossiping is very out. It's very not cool. It's very, you know, mean girl, Tina Fey mean girl. It's not, it's not very stylish. It is a great, a great Lindsay Lohan's peak right there. Um, yeah. <laughs> share your secrets, share your business. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Is there a limit to that? Is there like a, you know, you don't want to obviously divulge too many in the right circumstances, but you mean just divulge your... Well, that's up to the person to use their judgment, right? Right. So I use my judgment when I open up to people. But if someone wants to overshare with me, you know, well, it's like, that's fine. I mean, it's a client. They can overshare. I mean, as long as it's not like... (laughs) <laughs> they killed someone, right. you know? um, but you know, I mean, there are, you know, no one's, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. So if someone gives you a peek in it, they trust you. You're probably much closer to having our, our goals should be what's the long game, not what's the immediate game. Right. So you want to, you want to build really strong relationships with people so if they can open up to you. That's fantastic. That's the best. And, you know, being curious, asking them questions, they'll open up. They want to share. Everyone wants to share. We want to, we want to think we can lean on you. Like, right? Don't you just want to sit like on, on, have a glass of wine and just barf out everything? Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's probably, that's one of the reasons I think why I started doing this was as a way to like hear other people's, uh, you know, stories and then also, you know, contribute mine when. Yeah. Become, I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. I like the, I like the concept that you just said about long-term versus short-term. I think that is extremely important, especially nowadays focusing on the long-term. Do you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is the entrepreneur? Yeah, I know Gary. He's a great guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love, yeah, I love his, his Instagram. I just literally like go click on it every morning. Yeah. Just like, what is he up to? I'm going to get pumped for the day. Yeah, he, I know him personally. He's very sweet. He's sweet. A, he's as nice in person as he is yeah. as you think. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good to yeah, know. I have a mutual friend, and I'm always so. I, he's always being like um, when I see him, he's everyone's like, wow. He you know you know he's like right now he's like so famous, but you know he's he's always makes sure because we have a mutual friend and like this respect. He, he always makes sure he makes his way over to say hello or when we catch eyes. He's very sweet and. Oh. Oh, that's yeah. so good to hear. I have such a, I have such a crush on him. Then I, I had a man yeah. crush on him before, but now it's even stronger. <laughs> yeah. No, he, I, he, he does. He has a huge heart and he, I mean, he's a, he's an amazing hustler. Um, he's, I mean, hustler in the best way. I always say the Holtzman hustle. So, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's a good guy. 
You definitely yeah. can. Everyone can get great, great tips from him. Oh yeah, if it, yeah, people listening. If you yeah, Gary, he's he has a, his Instagram is just you. Literally, there's yeah. no possible way you're going. Gary v. We love Gary V. You're going to be so motivated listening to listen to inside and out. Mm-hmm. Um, but he talks a lot about the long term versus the short term. He talks about you need to start focusing on the long term goals instead of this like short term, you know, like I want to be here in a month. I want to do this today. And he's like, look, look five years down the road. If you can consistently put in the effort or do be nice to people, all the things that you've been talking about and the stuff mm-hmm. you have in your book, if you continue to do those, look at the long term goals, you know, the way that it's going to turn out instead of the short term crap, you know? Yeah. I mean, listen, in business when I was like, okay, well, you know, there's a relationship that we need to build and you don't know where you're going to be in your career, but you could work to, maybe you won't work today together, but you'll work together in five years, right? When the time's right. That's why, I mean, even when I had the, the douchebag theory, I was like, what? No, we need to be, we need to be good. We need to be respectful constantly of the people and we need to take it personally and we need to build, these are, these are, you know, your, your relationships in business, they could be for life, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and you can't always work together at that moment, but you can't, you can't also be pissed off and and be offended when you're not going to work together. Um, because you will find a time if you want to. Or, or it makes sense. It's good. Listen, we all listen. A lot of my business has been done because we uh, we there's a there's a, there's a relationship built, but we we can't do business together if the business doesn't make sense. Right. Someone can't give me business if they if I'm selling something that doesn't make sense for them. And if the relationship is good enough, then you can say, you can say we know this isn't know good right now, but enough. farther down the line, we might contact each other again because we're friends anyway. And then I were, I refer people that are more suited for them or my friends, you know, that those were, and then I help them when I see an opportunity that can help a potential client, but it's such a good opportunity for them. I make introductions for people all the time. Right. Yeah. I can right. see that. Um, uh, I, you talked about the douchebag theory and that's when people say it's not personal. It's just business. I just, it started with, you know, yeah, people say it's not personal, it's business. I'm all really losing a $30 million deal isn't personal. And then they fight, like hypothetically, they, you know, you're, you're losing business because something had gone wrong. It may or may not be your fault, but you know, thing or a contract ends. What? My heart sinks. Well, what can, oh, I don't want you to be disappointed. I want you to be happy. You know what, you know, and also like in a situation where things aren't going well, that's why EQ is also like so important here because the sometimes good relationships can stand when things aren't going well in business, right? Things are going bad because you can have a really honest, candid conversation with someone that things aren't going well and then you can, you can fix it. But if you don't feel comfortable enough to have an honest conversation with people, you can't fix it because you just, you want to avoid it. And it's easier just to terminate the relationship. By the way, same and personal. It's mm-hmm. easier to terminate it, right? Than have an honest conversation. Yeah, so, you know, I say that. But, you know, because most of my book is, like, so positive and loving. And even when I talk about negative stuff, it's funny, right? But it's not all rosy. Not always all rosy. Right. Yeah, happened. Yeah, you just described my entire dating life. It was like, oh, yeah. just don't, instead of having an honest conversation, just cut it. Talk to me, tell me. What can I do? <laughs> 
I got to figure it out on my own. But yeah, that's funny. It's 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 applied on on both sides, right? So it's applicable on both sides, business and personal. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's I definitely in the book I'll say I talk about business is like dating. You know, I have a whole section on it. Because you're courting someone, you're razzling and dazzling, you're putting your best foot forward, right? Right. You're courting them and they're dating. And then maybe, you know, the contract is like, you know, the proposal, right? <laughs> Someone's asking for a commitment, so they give you a contract, right? You close the deal. The sex you know, is the money. Years. Yeah, exactly. It's the money or, or put a ring on it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> give, me the, give me a three-year deal versus the one-year deal or a 10-year yeah. deal, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but, you know... Tell me, um, so like where, where can people, you know, so your book is out and like you said, it has, it, it's cool how it has such good, I went through some of those reviews on Amazon mm-hmm. and how it's written, you're, you're writing from this very, you know, female perspective, obviously, but it obviously is written by, uh, from a woman's perspective and, uh, and how much guys enjoyed reading it too, myself included because of the... Well, I liked it because of the vulgarity and, um, and things like that. But I mean, um, but like, I feel like I've cussed enough today. What's Should that? Drop Just start cussing. Like, cuss fuck shit, cock. You damn. fucking fantastic, and I, I'm so enjoying this. What's that? <laughs> You're brilliant. You're fucking brilliant. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the vulgarity. <laughs> the vulgarity. Yeah. I. By the way. Being vulgar is an emotional language. If you use it the right way, it actually relieves pain. Um, it gets your point across. And I think there's nothing wrong with cussing. I always say I cuss with class, but they 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 do say it's an emotional language, and there's mm. um, scientific proof, you know, that it's good for you. And I guess to what it represents, <laughs> it rep- and you know what it does. I think now that I'm thinking about it, what it represents is 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 authenticity, like we talked about. It represents something that isn't scripted. Do you know what I mean? So when you read that in a book from somebody and they're dropping f bombs here and there and you're talking about boners and douchebags and erections, but it's Did not I have boners. Uh, <laughs> I definitely brought up erection. Erections, oh, I'm sorry, erections. You can, you can court. You can you can win someone. You can win a room over. I don't know what I said. I'm flopper. No blowjob necessary. Maybe I said that. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Stuff like that. The stuff that is unscripted, <laughs> but but in like a in a in a cool format, but it's unscripted. That's when it's like, that's why I can see why guys like it just as much as, as women do, you know? Yeah. You know, the tips for how to, you know, get ahead, um, and the real issues that I face or real insecurities I face, um, they're, they're gen, they're not gender specific when you take away, you know, maybe the girl's point of view. I have a girl's point of view, right? Cause I'm a girl. I mean, what's the, I mean, the three days, yeah, the three, like you did, the three days getting your clothes ready for a trip. That's a female perspective that I have no idea what the fuck's going on. The guys, the the men in meeting, when you're in meetings, let me tell you, the other side appreciates when you have your, when you, when you look good. Because when you feel good and you look good, everyone's feeling good and looking good. You know what I mean? That you're, you're set a tone of confidence. And when you're confident and feeling good, the room starts to feel good. So, it plays out to the boy side. It's just in a very non-direct way. Um, <laughs> yeah, very non-direct. Yeah. Um, so, the, so, you know, what I'm finding out is that the men really like it because, because I'm vulnerable and real, 
they are they, they they have the same feelings about aging, having imposter syndrome. Um, maybe they don't feel like they're smart enough, qualified enough. You know, all the things I sort of touch on, they have the same feelings. They just don't get really a forum to talk about it. So to have a girl write, you know, a really um, modern business book, it gives them that they get to relate in a way they haven't been able to relate. And I think they get a kick out of the girl stuff. It's sort of like being able to watch Sex in the City and get their point of view on dating, right? <laughs> I could do like one episode of Sex in the City where I'm like, okay, I can do this. And by the second one, I'm like, ah, this is this is too much estrogen, like too concentrated for me. Yeah, but, you know, it's kind of fun to have the girl's point of view. And, Definitely. you know, look, listen, the, the women are going to take over the world here any minute. So <laughs> it would be sure. good to have the girl's that, point yeah, of view. Yeah, that's what my sisters keep telling me. I know. Happening. Um, you watch out. It is happening, right? Yeah. But we already, we already control the revenue. But we will control the, we will control the, we'll control it. You, you wait. Sure. And Hopefully. we'll have fun. You know, let us all control it together. Let us. Let yeah, us I was gonna be. say, I like, yeah, I like the idea of it let being. Us, let us both. equally play in the sandbox. We'll have yeah. a good time. Yeah. And watch <laughs> how, watch how the economy can flourish from that. Yeah, no, it's very cool. And it's, um, I, yeah, I really like the idea. I really like the, yeah, the perspective of it. So tell people listening how we wrap this up here. We've already been going an hour. That was really fucking fast. Um, yeah, um, uh, tell people, you know, I want people to be able to find your website, which is cool. It's got the cool everything on there and find your book. Where can people find you, get in touch with you if they want to see you speak, things like that? Um, you can definitely go to the website, which is the title of the book. It's called From C Student to the C Suite. Why don't I hold up the book? Oh, there yeah, we go. There it is. And look, she's fun. She's having a martini on the cover and she's <laughs> sitting on the boardroom, like, and she owns it, right? Right. And right, um, right. anyway, this is the title of the book. Let me see. The website, I think, is right here, too, if that's helpful. Um, from C student to the C suite.com. Um, so you can definitely find out everything there. Obviously you can go to Amazon and buy the book. If you're in Los Angeles at some of the well-known bookstores like book soup, diesel books, Romans, et cetera, Flint Ridge. Um, if you're local, so that's easy, but yeah, definitely on Amazon. Um, so definitely get it. You'll have fun. I mean, that I can guarantee you'll have a good time. That's true. No, very true. I'm yeah. On Instagram. Yeah. Um, on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. My handle is, and Twitter, Queen Connector. And you can reach out to me anytime. I've had people reach out to me. And I like to take pride that I actually get back to people. I'm, I'm very approachable. And yeah, so, no, you were yeah. you were very quick when we emailed and texted and called and stuff. Queen Connector. I like that. That's funny. How the hell I got that handle? Yeah. No but you idea. and you do speaking engagements too, right? Yes, yes, yes. But that all, you know, they that uh, I usually will post them on the on the um, website. Okay. So check in there. Very cool. And, um, track me down. You can Google me. You can do whatever. Yeah, yeah. You pop up quick. So yeah, amazing. Well, thanks, thanks so much for coming on, Tammy. Stick around. I my glasses. I know people see me with glasses, but see, I've got. Well, let's my see. These, oh, but then I've got the famous pink ones from the book. There you go. There you go. You go. <laughs> now you're sexy librarian. I am. I am. I don't need them. You're so close though. <laughs> well, thanks so much. Stick around for stick around after, but um, we'll end it there. But thank you so much for coming on. Hi, buddy. Yeah. He is amazing and has so much fun interviews. So if you just catch this one, go back and watch the other ones and stay tuned because he is a delight. <laughs> thanks, Tammy. Okay. Ciao. Yeah.
Hey guys, once again, thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to support the podcast, uh, the best way would be to leave me a review on iTunes. Share this on your Facebook if you enjoy it. And uh, most importantly, just tell your homies if you're enjoying what you're listening to. So appreciate it. Much love. Enjoy the summer. I'll see you guys in about 10 days. Thank you.